Yes, sir. Haha. What's the deal, folks? It's your boy iMac, and welcome to episode two of TLT Sport Talk. As you know, this is a spin-off series from the original podcast, which is the Leisure Time Podcast. We talk in all things hot and sports weekly. We are going to be joined with writer and reporter from the Athletic Seattle and host of Seahawks Man to Man Podcast, Michael Sean Dugar. It's all about football this episode, baby. We dive into the Stafford to LA trade, Seahawks offseason season frenzy and of course making our Super Bowl prediction between the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Kansas City Chiefs. Also our sponsor Jersey House Canada having a super giveaway. More details on that at the end of the show. And also for exclusive merch and easy podcast access go to theleisuretimepodcast.com. Let's go. Yes sir, I'm here with my guy Michael Sean Dugar, motherfucker Dugar. <laughs> What's the deal, bro? <laughs> What's happening? What's happening, man? Man, not much, not much, man. Just super excited about this Super Bowl coming up, bro. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm hyped, man. This is we got like two good teams, two good QBs, a lot of weapons, some star power. Like the NFL is probably sitting there, like, yo, thank you. We got the right. We got the right. We got our two stars, you know, in the game. Bro, it's like it's kind of like it, it. It got that like Magic Jordan '91 Finals vibe. You get what I'm saying? Like, is this the passing of the torch? Is is you know what I'm saying? In a sense, if Mahomes win, I feel like it's kind of like you know it's officially his league. If Brady wins, it's kind of like oh, you still got some catching up to do. <laughs> I, I it's 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 tricky. I think I think it's gonna be Mahomes' league no matter what. But like. It's just, it'll be just a reminder of Brady wins that like no one will ever have a better resume than Tom Brady. Man. They could be better throwers. Honestly, I think Mahomes is one. Yeah. Um, Aaron Rodgers is too, to be honest. Uh, but Brady, Peyton Manning is as well, I think. But his resume, Brady's resume, is just ridiculous. Mm-hmm. You know, in a team sport with so much turnover, that you know the champion is determined by a series of one-game playoffs. Like, for him to have even just 10 appearances is Man. very LeBron-like. It's just, in the, how are you doing this at such a high level for so long? Like, exactly. that will never be topped. And, and it's exactly like LeBron. Like, what's the biggest knock on LeBron? He was going to the finals playing in the East. What's the biggest knock on Tom Brady? He's in the AFC East. He's always going to get a first-round bye. You know, they. it's just funny how people are always trying to find some bullshit to discredit these greats. You know what I'm saying? Like, I didn't hear nobody discrediting Joe Montana. I don't hear nobody discrediting Michael Jordan, but they just find a way to discredit these new era greats, you know what I'm saying? And I'm just kind of sick of it, honestly, bro. What's your thoughts on that? So, I think the the AFC East part does have some relevance. It doesn't mean Brady's not great, but I do think, like, if you go look at his division, I think the best quarterback he ever had in his division was mark sanchez maybe um you know so like i think that does help you a lot because like i said it's a series of one game eliminations so if you don't have to play as many games as everyone else over and you know you extrapolate that you know advantage over two decades uh <laughs> then you, you're more likely to be successful there but it doesn't mean brady wasn't great yeah. it's not that it's not that it discredits it just depends on what you do with that information like i do like russell wilson by comparison right he's yeah. had some very good teams in his division since 2012 Man. like there, there is always a legit super bowl contender in the nfc west aside from the seahawks For real. like there's never i don't think anyone from the afc east has even sniffed 
the Super Bowl, really, other than those two Jets teams that made the title game in 2009-2010. Whereas, like, every team in the NFC West has been to the Super Bowl since 2008. So exactly. I do think uh, there's uh, – I think the Seahawks only wants to win in that span, but it doesn't matter. point still remains that it's very hard. Uh, it's, it's a lot harder when your division is, is strong. It, like I said, it doesn't mean Brady's not great. People would say that are just haters. Uh, exactly. But they, of those arguments that you outlined, the AFC East one I think has some validity in that it does help your resume be better. For sure helps your <laughs> resume, which is what, great, what Brady has over probably any quarterback ever. Absolutely. You're right with that. And I'm happy that you brought up the Seahawks, man, because I got a couple Seahawks talk topics I want to talk about. You know, y'all been busy this offseason and, and, and kind of not in the right way, bro, to be honest. Um, first thing first, what I want to bring up is uh, the Matthew Stafford trade to the Rams. How does that impact the Seahawks free agency? How does that impact the Seahawks draft? Um, I really, I really think that it's a reminder for the Seahawks about how important, like, ma- uh, maximizing your your quarterback position is. Like, if you look at the teams in the NFC West, look at what they do, you know, with their quarterbacks. Like, Sean McVay was holding Jared Goff's hand out there, like, telling him to read, you know, designing an offense that gave him a lot of play action and made, it, made sure his first read was open, and then he got him guys that could run after the catch, so he didn't have to throw the ball down the field, right? And now yeah. he gets Stafford whose hand he doesn't have to hold, but he's you know McVay is going to help him exactly. like be great. And then you look at, you know, the Cardinals. They drafted Kyler over first overall. They had a year to like look at what he needed and then they go get one of the best receivers in the league and Roger Hopkins. Right. You know, and then you look at Kyle Shanahan, like his offense is designed like his quarterbacks uh he, they average low air yards per target, which basically means they ain't throwing it far yeah. on average. But they, the Niners and the Rams both are like usually top six in yards after catch per completion. So they let the receivers do the heavy lifting because it, it helps the quarterback more. And like whereas in, this, in Seattle, we don't really see the offense being like tailored to Russ yeah. in that way. Pete runs an offense that you could run with your quarterback's great and whether he sticks. Uh, you run it a lot and you play action. Like any quarterback can mostly uh, run that. So I think the Seahawks need to look at like Stafford, look at what Arizona's front office did, look at what the what the Niners do, and realize like we need to build this thing around our guy because that's what everyone else is doing, and they're catching up to us. And in the case of the Rams, they're probably past you because they just beat your ass in the you know in your own stadium in the wild card round. So I think more than anything, I don't know how much better it makes the Rams or whatever and things like that, but. In general, amplifying and maximizing your quarterback's talent are like priority number one, two, three, four, and five. And if the Seahawks don't realize that, like everyone else, while everyone else has realized that, they're going to get left behind eventually. Man, bro, and that's exactly what I thought instantly, right? And it kind of ties into the next thing I'm about to ask you, Mike. DK was recently on a podcast called I Am Athlete. I just started listening to this podcast. Brandon Marshall's the host. He got Ocho Cinco, uh, Crowder, the linebacker from Miami. He also has um, uh, Fred Taylor, the Jacksonville Jaguar. Great. They're all on the show. And DK said something interesting that kind of ties in what we talked about on TLT Sport Talk Episode 1, saying that the offense was predictable, saying that it was stagnant, basically. How do you feel about DK comments Related to what we talked about in general last time, you know, I, th- I thought it was very interesting that that's where his mind went right away when 
I think it was Brandon Marshall asked him what happened to the Seattle Seahawks. It was a great question. Um, it's a very simple one, but it's one we all want to know. He said, teams figured us out. That was very, like I, the things that he said after that, um, I think we're kind of overblown a little bit. He's, he says, you know, we've been doing the same thing since however long, right? He didn't know how many years. So he just said, since Pete got there, I figured if he knew Pete got there in 2010, he would have just said 10 or 11 years and not name drop the coach. I think people got caught on the name drop that because Pete's the only name he mentioned. Um, and then he, when he spelled out the formula, you know, run, 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 play action, deep shot. And then he said, teams just wouldn't let us go deep that if you i watched every game this season some of them i watched multiple times that's not that that wasn't their problem they were actually pass 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 trying to go deep earlier and then that got taken away so his his second thoughts were all just mumbled and didn't make a ton of sense but that first Mm -hmm. thing that teams figured us out that's very damning and that's an indictment of everyone not just pete not just the offensive coordinator, not just the passing game coordinator, not just uh, Russell or the O line. Like that's all the y'all was was getting was getting your ass beat, uh, you know, by the <laughs> other teams. Because like you know, you play you play real. defense. Like yeah. they get paid too. Exactly, we get you paid know? to watch film. We get paid to study uh, receiver tendency, quarterback tendencies, offensive coordinator tendency. That's why the coaches are there. From you know, after your four and a half hours, coaches are still there. You know, ten hours after because they're they're making game plans, they're doing things of that nature that, you know, is trying to benefit their defense. Because defense is hard in the NFL, Mike. It's really hard, man. Like, dude, cornerback, I know quarterback is like the the ideal. Everybody eyes on the quarterback. But I can argue playing secondary in the NFL is probably the toughest job in sports. Playing corner, like, come on, man. These guys got to guard DK Metcalf. They got to guard Tyler Lockett. So these coaches, they're going to put game plans and install game plans to help those dudes out as best as possible. You know what I'm saying? So... It was just kind of damning that he said that, you know, because we was talking about it. And that's what you kind of insinuated on uh, episode one of TOT Sports Talk. So that was pretty dope. Um, trying to Time to transition into uh, um, a topic that's uh, a little bit, a little bit, you know, dark. Uh, so former, now I can say former, former Seattle Seahawks offensive lineman Chad Wheeler, um, you know, Let's say it how it is. Premeditated murder, basically, bro. Attempted premeditated murder on his girlfriend uh, last week. When you read that article and seen those pictures, what was your first reaction and what was your first thoughts? Um, so I, I got the police report on that, I think, Monday night or early Tuesday morning, um, whenever week that was. And the story actually didn't really hit. You know, until like Tuesday night or Wednesday when yeah. everyone was like, people people was like tweeting ESPN and like Jamel Hill and stuff like, yo, we need some attention. You know, honestly, I think, so I have to do my due diligence more than just the regular outrage because I have a reporter title. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I read the stuff, her name's actually in the police report, the victim, which is bad form by the police. But, you know, then I tried to verify that the photos going around were her because I don't really know what she looks like and her social media pages are private. Because um, the last thing I wanted to do was share the photo out and then it not be her or, or something. So I had to be a little bit more careful, although it was it was very hard to read. And so I'm a person, and I want us to get this to places as a society where we can read the thing and be outraged, too. Yeah. Because um, I think we usually have to wait for the visual. When I read that, um, you know, he, he uh, strangled her and she lost consciousness and she had blood and uh, she had to go to the hospital for injuries and dislocated a uh, shoulder i think it was um you know when i read all of these things and you know she's crying um 
you know, like I, I could read all of it, you know, yeah. like, and I saw it and I was like, oh man, this is very, 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 very bad. When the picture came out, I was like, okay, that's, that's also bad. But like, it didn't change because I was already at peak, you know, you know, frustration, I guess, uh, you know, just, just read just reading it. And it, it was kind of, I get frustrated and I understand why, you know, a photo can spread and go viral faster than a police report. But I think if we just, we just wait to get to that point and it really, it really stinks. Like even if you listen to people now, when they when they talk about it, they usually start with when I saw the picture. It's like, well, the info was out before the picture. Right. Like you should be, you should be outraged hearing that you know a man that big choked a woman that small. Just she lost consciousness. He was trying to kill her. Um, it's I think um, I think Joe Mixon's situation was another example. You know of that Ray Rice as well. But Joe Mixon, I read like, oh yeah, no, he broke the girl's jaw. I'm like oh, that's pretty bad. And then the video comes out and everyone's outraged. It's like, well, y'all don't know how a broken jaw work. Like, it looks bad. Like, I've, I've seen someone get their jaw broken. All I got to do is read it. And no, it's like reading somebody got shot in the head. I don't got to see it. Getting shot in the head's bad. Right? Like, I, I get that. So, like, it was a bunch of, like, I'm mad at Chad. I'm mad at, like, how we reacted to it. Um, the discourse around the victim. Because, you know, she's black and Chad's white. So, um, we just get a bunch of just unproductive discussions on social media about like what well, then it, blame people blaming her like oh but why were you even with a white dude you know especially in these times exactly. you know it's like just, there's just so many things that don't really matter nothing she did nothing wrong and who she chose to date nothing she's the victim that's it and then we get to there's a mental health aspect of it with uh chad has diagnosed a bipolar disorder in 2015 he was wilding out at his dorm uh, in USC, he was punching walls, and the cops came out with the with the lady violent. and her baby in that same dorm room with him in that room. Yeah, like he 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 didn't harm them in that instance, mm-hmm. but he they thought he was gonna the police thought he was gonna harm them or come out with a knife or something like that. So they shot him with beanbag rounds. Uh, they didn't even arrest him. Uh, but damn, so that must you, be nice getting shot with beanbags. Yeah. So then I'm frustrated <laughs> reading that. I'm like, man, like. I think there was a man who was having a mental health. I, I can't remember. It might have been the brother in uh, Rochester. I think Daniel Prude, maybe. Yeah. Um, who was having a, uh, like, a, I forget. I don't want to mess it up. But he was yeah. having something related to mental health, and they killed him, right? Mm-hmm. That's why I'm reading this story just like like you're hearing it. Like, oh, man, they used non-lethal force, huh, to take someone down who needed help? Wow, that's crazy how that works. That must yeah. be great. Um so, but when you add anything with bipolar disorder, a manic episode, or mental health at all, then it looks like you're trying to excuse the behavior of the aggressor. And the Seahawks did that in their statement, right? They have a statement that's like 10 sentences. There's only one sentence dedicated to Pathetic. Them. Yeah, and, and it's like we want Chad to get the help, you know, he needs. Like, I don't know about you, I've got homies with uh, bipolar disorder. I've seen my homies have manic episodes. Same. I've talked to other people who've had them, too. You can even read the damn National Mental Health website. It says in bold print that bipolar disorder does not um, correlate with, like, trying to hurt someone or, like, physical violence. Exactly. It doesn't. So, like, we got to that part of the discourse later. Like, oh, it's like, oh, well, he, he was off his meds. Like, it doesn't matter. Manic episode ain't how you try to kill your girlfriend. Hey, man, like, that's the classic case. When a black man do something, he's a thug. He's something's wrong. Like, you know, he's a gangster. You know... He's condemned. They throw the book at him, not knowing that that black man probably has so much trauma growing up in the hood. That black man may be going through the mental health issues of his own, 
but they're quick to throw the book and label black men us as criminals whereas a white man can go into a movie theater and shoot up the movie theater could go into a church kill nine victims and the first thing they blame is their mental health you know that's the stigma that i hate so much bro the narrative the the picture that i hate so much when it goes through white man in crime versus black man in crime oh the white man needs help oh the black man he's wrong you get what I'm saying? So it's kind of like, you know, I was pissed, bro. I ain't going to lie. I was one of those pissed people because what I was so mad about, the shit happened on the weekend prior to the Tuesday, Wednesday. You're talking about that. Everybody's talking about it. I don't, bro, Mike, I'm telling you right now, bro, I could have been me, Ivan McClendon right now, nigga. I could have right now, bro, uh, kill some, like I could go out there and beat, beat a girl up. I guarantee you the next day they're going to hear about, oh, former Kook, Ivan McClendon arrested for domestic violence. You know what I'm saying? Or, you know what I'm saying? Or it could be somebody on the practice squad with the Seattle Seahawks, a black player. He would have did the same thing. I guarantee you it would have been front page on ESPN, Fox, all that. But since yeah, it was I a think white... Uh, yeah, what you're ahead. getting at, too, is, is the, it's the benefit of the doubt. Yep. You know, essentially. You know, white people are given the benefit of the doubt. Right? Yeah. Like, okay, if you did a bad thing... Okay, okay, wait, let's, how can we explain this, you know, or add, to contextualize the bad thing you did yet, yeah, whether it's shooting up a church or a movie theater or a nightclub or whatever, a school or whatever, things that, like, are just heinous no matter what you're going through in your life, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I think black people just aren't given that, right? Mm-hmm. Like, with Chad Wheeler, right, when he came out, when he was wild and, and they got a call in 2015 at USC, they came there and gave him the benefit of the doubt, even though he's big as hell, too, because they tried yeah. to use that against us, too, his size, or our size. Even though it's big as hell, dude, wilding out, um, they didn't fear uh, for their lives enough uh, to take his life, right? They gave him the benefit of the doubt, like, let's just let's just knock him out. Let's just not take him out entirely. Whereas with black people, the benefit of the doubt is gone. We are going to kill the police. That's the assumption there. We are bad people inherently, whereas white people are people who can do bad things. Exactly. Uh, it's just it's a, it's the benefit of the doubt that like inherently awarded that we have to earn, and still can't we still can't even earn uh, you know that you know even looking looking at I know this isn't like football, but even look at that white lady who was cussing out LeBron James at the Hawks game Man. Uh, last last night, right? Like even even then, like it's like well, what did LeBron say? It's like, why do we, we know LeBron? We have context on LeBron's life. We've been putting cameras in his face since he was a child, right? Mm-hmm. Like, well, the benefit of the doubt should go to LeBron. It should not go to this woman we just all learned of, you know, Literally. Monday night or whatever, right? But then why, why does that happen? You know, right? So I think that, that benefit of the doubt, is it's at the root of a lot of things when you look at, you know, race in America going back in, into time, the the, the stigmas that they created about us going all the way back to like minstrel shows and just like that black people are inherently more violent we are more likely to you know do rape and murder and be aggressors towards people people uh, our own people and white people that just carried on and advanced into modern times and this is stuff like chad or just you know, some of the other examples i'm talking about are the result of it i'm not even really sure how we can fix it but I just have diagnosed that. Like, I'm sure, like, that is the problem, and that is what we need to fix. Absolutely, bro. And it's funny that you say that, man, because I was just watching this movie called The Butler last night, bro. Um, great movie on Netflix. Everybody, if you want to catch it, um, got Forrest Whitaker in it, Oprah Winfrey, man, Terrence Howard. Just a great, great movie. And it's basically about a butler who was born, like, in the 1920s down south. You know, dad got killed in front of him. This is 1926s, and this black people still picking cotton still getting killed by white men with no punishment you know what i'm saying 
and he basically goes, you know, long story short, he goes be a butler in the White House. And it's just crazy that black people, the black man in America has been victimized. That's one. Um, not even victimized, has been has been portrayed as something negative. But from, but from the very beginning of American history, the black man was that stable piece in the household. You get what I'm saying? It was in the 40s, in the 50s, in the 60s, the black man was the head of the household, the strong one, the strong man in the family. And something changed in the 80s, the 90s, in 2000, now that the black man is just crucified. You get what I'm saying? And I don't want us to go too, too deep into this topic because I know that we can honestly spend three hours talking about this, bro. But long story short, man, I'm just so sick of the narrative that, you know, black is, in a sense, black is whack, white is right. You know what I'm saying? I'm sick of it. I'm sick of the fact that, you know, when I get pulled over, I got to make sure that I'm super perfect. But, you know, I got white friends. They get pulled over. They're cussing out the cop. Why the hell you pull me over? What the shit? And, they, and the cops being friendly to him. Oh, it's okay, sir. It's okay. But if I brought that same energy, I'm handcuffed in the back of the car. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, this yeah. happened to me, bro. And I'm just like, you know, bro, you know, I just pray for the girl. Um, you know, I'm not going to mention her name right now. I mentioned it before already, so I'm not going to mention her name. You know, I'm going to pray for the girl, man. And, you know, I'm not buying that bipolar bullshit. Like, yes, I know that is serious. I know mental health is serious. I, 100% serious. It's yep. serious. My friend Tyler Helinski, I believe that he committed suicide due to mental health. Former cool quarterback. So I know that is serious. But at the same time, you got to know right from wrong, dude. You feel me? You had enough time to beat this woman, choke her out, go make you a smoothie, come back and say that she's still alive. Like, come on, man. Right there, it tells me right there that that's not bipolar. He has something that he had against this woman. He wanted to hurt this woman, and it sucks. So uh, thanks for sharing your thoughts on that, Mike. So, man, let's transition to the bowl, man, the big one. I'm happy you're on for this game. Um, number one thing that you think the Chiefs need to do in order to win the Super Bowl? You know, I think the main thing is get to is get to Brady if you can, mm -hmm. right? Because he's got weapons. If he gets the ball out, it'll probably get where it needs to go. Mm -hmm. um, but as he, as we all saw in the NFC, or yeah, the NFC title game, is that like he he can have like an old man moment or two in a row. Three. I think at one point he had thrown like three picks in seven attempts or something like yeah. that in the <laughs> NFC title game. Like he can he can he can look old. You know, I think Josh Allen, you know, can be very similar. You know, he's young. It's like he can just have that moment. Like, oh, there go Josh, just throwing the ball wherever wherever he feels like it out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. um, and you got to uh, increase the number of times that he does that. And the best way is pressure. Pressure burst pipes. So, yep. like, offensively, they're going to be fine. Like, they're just going to they're gonna score 30. That's just kind of how they get down. Wait, 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 but, Mike, do you know that the two uh, starting tackles aren't playing, man? The, the Fisher is out, and I believe Smith is out, too, the two, the two starting tackles for the Kansas City Chiefs. How do you think that's going to affect them playing against JPP and Shaq Barrett coming off the edge? I think that that's a, a advantage for the Bucks for sure, especially with Todd Bowles. It's a very smart dude. Their defensive coordinator, very smart guy, very aggressive guy. Uh, but it's going to be – you got to be careful with that aggression because Andy Reid's smart too. He knows you got killers coming off the edge. So what's he going to do? He's going to get that ball out. What's he going to do? He's going to let you think you got a free rush. Oh, really? It's a shovel pass to Kelsey right up or right in your face. Yeah. Um, oh, it's a little it's a little uh, reverse or whatever, little bubble screen or it's a little, you know – Screen to you know all the fast Arden, dudes Hill, they have, Walking, yeah. So, many weapons. so 
So you gotta like you gotta be careful. It's a game of chess. They gotta feel it out. Like okay, maybe it's third and twelve, and the Chiefs are backed up. So if your ball is like, man, let's bring some heat. You know, let's not even let Mahomes get back there and have time to find his guys. Oh well, little do you know, this is really just a bubble screen to to, to Harbin. We're gonna let him pick up the twelve. Uh, so your your pass rush don't even matter, and we're gonna run into the side that your blitz came from. So now you're really you're outmanned on that side of the field. We just picked up fourteen yards in the first. Mm-hmm. You know, like plays like that. I think. If you're the Bucks, you gotta you gotta. Uh, well, no, I said if you're the Chiefs, you gotta get to Brady. But if you're the Bucks, like what do they gotta do? You gotta freaking score. You gotta yeah. get to thirty. Gotta get to That's, thirty. You think thirty's the mark to, to do it? Yep, I think thirty points Shit, it'll it'll, it'll get you there. If you look at the games the Chiefs lose, like look when they lose. Right? <laughs> That's like, so rare. That, that, exactly, it's one. It's rare. The teams that beat them in a game that Mahomes starts. They usually have to score a lot. Like, I was there when the Seahawks beat the Chiefs in 2018. You know, the Seahawks scored 38 points. Anyway, <laughs> like, that was how you beat you beat these guys with points. I know that sounds maybe like an over, oversimplification because, of, duh, the team with more points wins the game. But people forget that. They try to talk themselves into, like, hold the ball longer, possession, possession, time, possession. Controlling the clock is not nearly as important as controlling the scoreboard. Right. And with the that, that's that's – as true as it could possibly be when playing the Chiefs in particular. Don't just try to keep Mahomes off the field. Score points. However your team does that, whether you run it or throw it, doesn't matter. Score points so that when Mahomes is on the field, he has to score too. Right? Like that's that should be your only goal. So if you're the Bucks and you're Byron Leftwich, they're they're OC and you're Bruce Arians and Tom Brady, you sit in that room and you say, How do we score thirty points? That's it. That's it. how do we score thirty? Because our even if you love your defense to death, how do we score thirty? Because they're probably going to score thirty points. Man. So listen, how do we how do we get there? And we're probably going to win the game. We get a turnover or two, and if we get to thirty and get a turnover, we win the game. Booms! Like how, that should be their game plan if you're Tampa Bay. Absolutely, I'm, I agree with you, bro. For me, I feel like the Chiefs they need to honestly, to be honest with you, it's it's honestly for both teams. They both need to protect their quarterbacks. Mind you, Mahomes just had a concussion not too long ago. I know that it's been he's won his AFC championship and it's about to be two weeks since that game, so he's gonna have a lot of rest. But losing your starting, trust me, I'm a Dean and a pass rusher, and I know the importance of getting to the quarterback. And if you cannot protect that man and he starts taking some hits and he starts feeling flustered in that pocket, he's gonna be throwing some yips. Also, same with Brady, dude. They, they still got Frank Clark on that side that Seattle dumbly let go of. I don't know why. We're, we could talk about that another day, Mike. So they still got Frank Clark on that side. They still got Chris Jones. They still got some great pass rushers on that side, too, that can get after Brady. I think the key is what quarterback is the cleanest at the end of the game. That's one. Also, 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 secondary for the Buccaneers, Todd Bowles. Please, please, please do not put nobody on the island with Tyreek Hill. <laughs> Learn from your goddamn mistakes. Do not let this man go for 202 yards in the first quarter. It was in. I know you saw a little bit of that game, Mike, uh, earlier in the year. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember it. I think I was playing against uh, Tyreek in fantasy that week. So oh, it was very, like, dude, it, it was it was very ridiculous, uh, harmful first quarter. I was like, oh, my matchup. So I think I still ended up winning. But yeah, like, it, you, that's the thing about the Bucks. They like to be aggressive. Like, Bruce Arians is a. He's a YOLO type of coach. Like he's yeah. gonna set no risk it, no got, biscuit. Yeah, he's got coordinators to reflect that identity, which you should. Like you should. The whole organization should be on board with your philosophy. That's kind of how it should go. But like his OCs, they encourage like, hey man, just sling that thing, right? Like it's cool. <laughs> just throw it. 
our guy will go get it. Right? Trust your arm, trust your sight. And that was a very bad idea with Jameis, right? Because he is turnover prone. Right? So you can't just tell him YOLO, right? Because he will YOLO that ball and he threw <laughs> like for seven th- pick hey, sixes. Hey, bro, 30 for 30 and we ain't talking movies. Yeah, man, it was very, it was, it was a very roller coaster season. But it works for Brady because he's, you know, he's got the weapons and he's a better, he's a more uh, decisive passer on defense. Todd Bowles was like, hey, we're gonna send this heat. Like when he was coaching, uh, I think he was the DC in Arizona for a little bit. Uh, he would just say, oh yeah, they sending them. He cover zero blitzes on third and long, just like you know, it, which is fine if you get there. Like, and they do some similar things. You know, in Tampa Bay, because they they got got they trust their secondary, right? They try, they've invested in corners and J- uh, exactly. Jamel Dean and Carlton Davis, and they went and just got Antoine Winfield Jr. Uh, they trust their whole back seven, honestly. Their linebackers mm-hmm. are nasty too. Man. So, and that's what I'm they, saying, Mike. I'm glad they you get I'm, so aggressive. Yeah. yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Mike. I just want to throw this in here before you finish. <laughs> that's why I'm cool with them using the same game plan game plan that they use with the Packers. Just rush four. Go drop White. Drop um um Devontae, Levante David. You drop them boys. Throw in your nickel in there. You drop them boys. You play a little bit of two-man shell. You go know what I'm saying? Stick a body on Tyreek, and then you stick another body on Tyreek. Honestly, bro, I'm in the mindset. I'm doubling Kelsey and Tyreek, and I'm letting Sammy. I'm letting Nicole Hartman. I'm letting them boys beat me, period. That's, that, yeah. that's just me, bro, because at the end of the day, those two guys are so dynamic. If you leave, if you play a soft zone, Kelsey is super smart. See, people think that oh, Kelsey is just this big time athlete, which he is, but he is super smart. He's gonna find them soft spots in them zones. That's why he be going for ten catches in the first half. All he doing is running like some digs and just sitting. And Mahomes can freaking roll to his left and throw back to the middle of the field on a dime so you gotta be able to man up these guys and at the same time you gotta just rush four trust me bro they got they got the talent to just rush four and get there Shaquille Barrett a dog JPP a dog Nandamakin Sue could get that push up the middle and I know that we're some cools but that man Vita Vea he is a load bro he is a load I'm trying to tell you it's gonna take two to block him you feel me so I think that they should just rush four Play, play coverage with your back seven and just keep everything in front of you, bro. Do not give up the big play. Kind of how, kind of the, the old Seahawk philosophy, you know. We're going to rush four. We're going to drop Bobby KJ. We're going to drop Cam in these zones. And um, you're going to throw it underneath. You're going to have to drive the ball 80 yards to score on us. It's not going to be no cheap shit. So yeah, that's just that. That probably is the safer plan. But like, that's why I think Bruce Arians' philosophy is like important to understand because that's kind of not just how he played it. You know, true, he's gonna true. he's gonna send them extra guys uh, for better or worse, and trust his corners on the back end to make the play. Trust his safeties, which you know, there's there's some of that too because you, your guys got pride in the you know you got pride in them locker rooms, you got pride in them meeting rooms. You know, like if you go in there and say we're just gonna double Kelsey the whole game, you know, you got your Pride is the number one killer of man. Shit, you better uh, let go of some of that pride. You trying to win a big one in BA. Um, so I understand what you saying. No risk it, no biscuit. But BA, you ain't never won a Super Bowl in your goddamn life. You better listen. <laughs> yeah, you better listen to. You better understand, bro. It's a time and place for everything. If you're playing them young quarterbacks, you're playing. You know, you're playing against the dude from the Redskins, and you know, you're playing against an older Drew Brees that can't really roll out. That's cool, bro. That's cool. But it's something to be said about rush integrity, bro. It's Something to be said that having you a five technique, having you a five technique, having you a one and a three, and they rush in one sink. I've seen the Giants win Super Bowls off that shit. 
You get what I'm saying? You could be productive rushing four. You get what I'm saying? So I'm just saying, I'm not saying not blitz, bro. I'm saying you can send a couple hot pressures, fire zones. I'm not saying don't blitz. But at the same time, if you think that you're going to beat Patrick Mahomes blitzing with this creativity, trust me, uh, 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 Andy Reid wouldn't do nothing. We'll, we'll call a max protection real fast and throw a streak to Tyreek Hill quicker than you can sit down in your seat for, to watch the goddamn Super Bowl. So, uh, you know, that pride shit can get you cut. You feel yeah, me, bro? No, bro. It, it's definitely <laughs> one of the problems that, that people have with their their game plan. Not to say that's not that's what I would do if I was running Tampa Bay, but I do think that that's that is why you get teams who like don't do the safer thing. You know, it's like we're gonna do what got us here. A is what the people like to swear by, which I've never really liked. They're like, you should do what it's gonna take to win this particular exactly, game, bro. You know, like that's you got here by winning, so you should, you know, so you should do what got you here. You know, is you you tailored your game plan to winning, but that that crumbles a lot of teams. That's why I pointed out, like you yeah, get teams who, who think who think they don't need to cover Tyreek because their their number one corner is lobbying. All week, like, come on, coach, I got it, I got it, I got it, you know. And it's like, okay, I'm, I'm, you know, you got, you got to feed, you got to feed your soldiers sometimes. And it's just like, all right, you just got beat for seventy-five yard touchdown. If, if you ain't Deion Sanders, I'm not putting you one on one with Tyreek Hill. I'm just, yeah. if you're not Deion Sanders, Darrell Revis, Champ Bailey, um, Sherman in his heyday, you get what I'm saying? I, I'm not even, I'm not, I'm not trying that man on one on one coverage, bro. That's too easy. That's a layup, bro. That's a layup. That's literally LeBron on a fast break, and then you got Rajon Rondo trying to block him. It's going to be a dunk. It's going to be a layup because Tyreek Hill, what people don't understand, he is a football player and then he's fast. He's not a fast football player. He's a football player and he's fast. He knows how to use his body. He knows how to use his speed, change his gears to get open. And that dude is dangerous. I'm sorry. He's the best receiver in the NFL. He's super dangerous, bro. You got to, and I'm, I don't mean best as in like, bro, as in, um, maybe I'll change that. He's probably not the best in the NFL, but he's the most dangerous. He's the most dangerous. You, you cannot yeah. cover him one-on-one, -on -one, bro. So, Mike, before we get going, man, I know that the Kansas City Chiefs is a three-point three uh, favorite in this Super Bowl. Who you got, man? What's the score, your final score, and who you got uh, winning the Super Bowl? Uh, I didn't even check the line yet. So, we got Kansas City minus three. That's, yep. that's, that's probably what it should be on a neutral. I still think it's a neutral field. I know it's not Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay is playing in there, you know. Bro, own, this, is, that, uh, this is not spot. a neutral field. It's not going to be a neutral field. <laughs> well, the, the, the thing is that, like, the fans that they let in there are going to be relatively neutral because of the price of the ticket um, oh, yeah, and so how hard it is to get in there. So, like, even if you, a team's playing in their home venue, it's just like man, the, the the regular Bucks fan can't afford to go to the Super Bowl. I haven't right. looked at prices this year, but, like, I went to Super Bowl in Atlanta, and I was like, oh, we're going to have to watch it at a bar. Like, cause, <laughs> like this is this is ridiculous. I would have had to have GameStop stock to buy these tickets. Like, is, uh, yeah, no, that's another combo too. Yeah. But I will take I'll take the Chiefs. I'll take the Chiefs and the points. To be honest, uh, I'll take the Chiefs thirty to twenty four. Uh, I think I think that like I said, I think they'll get to thirty. I think Mahomes is just he's just a, a when you have the best player on the field. Sometimes in a game like this, that is the difference between two evenly matched teams. We've seen it. We saw it last year, honestly. Mahomes and Chris Jones, uh, to be fair, to the defensive side of the ball last year, they were just better than anything that the cheat, that the Niners had to offer at the end of the day. And they, they made it happen. And the thing about Mahomes, I think that people forget, not forget, but overlook, I guess, is that he's not just great. He, he breaks rules. You know, because everything, everything is, like, usually done, like, within rules. Like, this is your seven-step drop. This is where your receiver is supposed to be. This is how this works. That's why guys who can throw off their spot and off scrambles and off yeah. schedule are so dangerous because it's like, how do we plan for that? And how do we plan for the uh, the reroute or how do we plan for, you know, 
Mahomes taking a nine-step drop, you know, and just heaving that joint to Tyreek. Like, that's not normal. So he can break rules like that. He can throw sidearm. He'll throw it with his left. He'll throw it no look. Like, he breaks the rules. And when you can do that and do it at a high level like he can, and you got a coach with an evil mind for offense, they're just really, really hard to stop. So I think they, they get to 30. The Bucks don't. Got Mahomes with back-to-back Super Bowl MVPs. All right, Mike. I thought that you would learn by now, bro. Last time you was on the show, you picked that bad man up in Green Bay to beat the GOAT. Let me tell you something, Mike. There's one man in sports. There's one man in sports that you do not bet against in a championship setting, bro. And that is Tom Brady, bro. I do not care if he's going up against Patrick Mahomes. I do not care if he's going up against Aaron Rodgers. I don't care if he's going up against Peyton Manning. It's one person I do not bet against, and that's Tom Brady, bro. Yes, I know that the Chiefs are super explosive, but I am telling you, bro, I am telling you, losing those two tackles is going to be the key to the game. I feel that Shaq and JPP are going to have a feast getting after the quarterback. They may not sack him a lot, but they're going to hit him a lot. And overall, you have Mike Evans. You got Antonio Brown. You got Chris Godwin. They got arguably better skill position weapons then the Chiefs, arguably, just saying arguably, yes, they got Tyreek Hill, yes, they got Travis Kelsey, but man, you got Mike Evans, you got um, um, Cameron Bray, you got Gronk, you got Scotty Miller, you got Antonio Brown, you have literally so many options to choose from, my boy Jadon Mickens, the return man, so many options you can choose from, bro, that I honestly think that it's going to come down to the fourth quarter, I honestly think that Brady's going to have the ball last. And I think that the game's going to be 27-24 bucks, man. That's my final score my prediction. So, so, so here's what I uh, – oh, that's, that's fine. Uh, good pick. Mm-hmm. Not mad at it. I think that there's a there's two things that it, it, in the NFL right now that are actually kind of funny. Uh, one of them is really, uh, related to Brady. One of them is related to Russ. Is that Brady has – if he loses this game too, I think he'll have lost more Super Bowls than anyone uh, uh, as well. Yeah. I think he's lost three. Um, so, like, he's definitely lost – the big game before. Not to say that matters a ton, but like it is interesting that he's like, I mean, he considered lost, as like, bro, bro. Considered he lost like Super don't Bowl. get bet against him in the yep. big game, and he's lost the big game. Well, Mike, times, Mike, 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 let's come on. He lost two Super Bowls with two of the best catches in Super Bowl history David Tyree helmet catch and Mario Manning and two zone and, and literally two people over him catching on the sideline and then he literally throws 505 yards in a Super Bowl and the Eagles just won in OT you get what I'm saying so it's like yeah he lost them three Super Bowls but like were they like convincing wins no well I think they were they were no less convincing than his wins True. The, than the first I think they all they would think Vinatieri won them all the first three uh, on on field goals. He had to set it up, uh, though. He had to set them up. He had to get the yeah, guards, yeah, yeah. You know? But I, 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 my, my point mm-hmm. being that, like, and even then, when they beat the Falcons, like they they also won in overtime. Uh, so, so it was another like close one. Yeah. The Super Bowls usually should be close. I think yeah. the Seahawks uh, Broncos kind of skewed the math <laughs> on that. It should. It's not supposed oh to be an ass kicking like that. I just personally one, think it's very interesting that like Brady's been able to maintain the perception of like don't count him out in a big moment. Right or wrong, even though because perception is reality, even though he's there's like plenty of evidence suggests that you know he is uh, beatable in a big moment. The other one is Russell. Russell is considered to be very, very, very clutch, which he is. He's a very clutch quarterback. However, he probably has the most unclutch play in football history <laughs> as well. Do it, do it. Interception up a dynasty, at the bro. one. Messed up a dynasty. You know, 
Yeah, yeah, you know, like, and not saying that the entire play is his fault. I blame most of it on Russell, to be honest, because he throw the ball. And regardless of the play call, the play call didn't have an interception in it, right? That was on you. Exactly. That was on, Ricard- was on Ricardo and Malcolm Butler, uh, right? Uh, so uh, I, I just find that it's really funny. I, I try not to point it out too much because, you know, Seahawks fans come from my film. Man, but bro, I talked about it, this the other day. I was just like, he literally, y'all messed up a dynasty with that one play. I honestly feel to my heart, bro, y'all get a ball to Marshawn three, four times, and y'all get stopped, y'all back in the Super Bowl next year. But since you threw it, it killed the morale of the team, and people started stopped trusting Pete, period. That's what happened. Yeah, I think I – think, I, I don't mind throwing there, especially if they have they have, they only have one timeout left. I forget how much time was left, like thirty seconds or something. So I wouldn't have mind a throw, uh, maybe like a little uh, rollout or something like that, where Russ can have time to think and throw it away if necessary, or even if you wanted to throw a fade to like Doug or something like that, or Chris Matthews mm-hmm. who had like a hundred yards in that game. Um, he's a big dude and go get it. Like a throw isn't bad. A throw over the middle like that uh, is is kind of dangerous, <laughs> especially if it gets battled or something. Horrible! It was horrible. Yeah, like, it, was, it was. It was. It was not time. great. I know. I, I, it sucks to bring up some old, some old rules for Seahawks, <laughs> but I just think that that part of Russell's legacy has always been very fascinating to me. He's like a clutch guy. Six. He's got a he's got a ton of game winning drives, but it's also like you are you are very you are responsible for the most unclutch. I know unclutch isn't a word, but. The most unclutch play in probably in Super Bowl history. Absolutely. I mean, considering how close they were to the to the to the end zone, like that's pretty Absolutely. that's pretty bad, you know. And then he's considered like imagine if Romo did that. Like that would be the first thing on Romo's resume. Is exactly. that he, he, he hey, threw a pick God, to hey, I ain't gonna lie, bro. Russ got to prove it. Russ still got to prove it. Like to be considered an all-time great quarterback. Because at the end of the day, he won that first Super Bowl as a game manager. As a game manager. He wasn't the guy yet. He wasn't the guy yet. He didn't really become the guy in Seattle, I want to say, until like what? What you say, 2014, 20, 2015? 20, 2015 is when he uh, he had like, two, like 30 touchdowns and like That's eight picks or something like that. Like, yeah, Doug Baldwin like, tied for the league lead yeah. touchdowns. It was, it was a crazy year. It was Marshawn team, bro. It was Marshawn and LOB team. And not to get and LOB what messed up Earl, Cam, Richard, you know. I'm pretty sure Bobby and KJ felt it to a certain extent. Like, bro, you really you you feel me? Like, give our guy the ball. Let our guy that's our guy. Marshawn is our guy, bro. Let him try. If he gets if now if he gets stopped on second down, now you got two downs to throw the shit. But just don't give up on our guy. At the one, at the two yard line, you know what I'm saying, bro. And it was, it was, it was, it was, it was, it was, it was fucked, bro. Straight up, because I lost some money that game too. Goddamn it, that's the time I betted against Brady. And I'm not saying Brady had much to do with that outcome, which he did. But at the end, I'm just saying Tom Brady got that Super Bowl magic to him, bro. He really do. And that's why I'm saying, like, man, this game is gonna come down to the wire. I do think whatever quarterback has the ball last, that's gonna win. But I really think that that's gonna be Brady. I feel that Brady is going to. Win it on a game-winning drive. He's going to win his seventh, and I wouldn't be shocked if he retired after. Honestly, I would if I was him. Yeah, no, I, I do. I, I can probably agree with that. The guy who has it last, because I mean, I think the the Bucks defense is really good, but I think Mahomes is better. Uh, and then I don't think the Chiefs defense. The Chiefs defense is average. Right. Uh, so if if Brady has the ball last, he should you know, be able to go down there and at least get a field goal or whatever they need. Exactly. Yeah, it's definitely going to come out to the wire. The last few Super Bowls have all been pretty close, um, competitive. Yeah, even if the final score got a little out of hand, they're like, they're <laughs> all relatively 
competitive outside of the Seahawks uh, Super Bowl. Like they're all that was just yeah an ass kicking. But everything, <laughs> everything other than that, don't you go back? A, I don't know, however many years. I can't remember the last. I can't remember either. But probably the, the um the uh, I know the Tampa Bay and Raiders one was a pretty lopsided one too. Yeah, in two thousand two, I think yeah. they they got beat by like thirty or something like yeah, that. that was lopsided. Yeah, lopsided. Yeah, other yeah, than Jar- that, you're right. John Gruden and politics and stuff like that. Yeah. All right, Michael. Well, man, appreciate you, bro. Episode two, man. Writer from The Athletic. My dog, Michael Sean Dugar Cigar. Goddamn. <laughs> appreciate you, man. Appreciate you having me on. Hey, no, on no problem. Oh, yeah. Go check out this uh, podcast, Seahawk Man to Man podcast. Man, check it out. Mike, you got any more info about that where people can listen to it? Yeah, man. Just uh, go to my Twitter, man. It's a one-stop shop at Mike Dugar, M-I-K-E-D-U-G-A-R. Go to the top. Uh, you got my, my author page. We can read all my stories at the Athletic. You got uh, you can get, my podcast is always pinned to the top of my profile. It's always right there to find. We're on Spotify, we're on you know Apple Podcasts. We're on the Athletic too. Free to listen to. We got we on all that, man. Make sure you go go check us out. All that, bro. Appreciate you, Mike. Oh man, love. Yes, sir. Do you have it, folks? Episode two of TLT Sport Talk. Hey, Mike, appreciate you being on the show, bro. For real, for real. That boy steady dropping gems, y'all. As promised, here are more details on our sponsor, Jersey House Canada Super Bowl giveaway. So, <clears throat> they're going to be going giving out four jerseys, also a Jersey House hat and shirt. So, the four, the four jerseys include the Patrick Mahomes Super Bowl jersey, a Tom Brady Super Bowl jersey, Kobe Bryant Laker jersey, a Josh Allen Bills jersey, and also, like I said, a Jersey House hat and shirt. So these are the rules to qualify to win. You must be following the Instagram page. You must like the post that they posted about the Super Bowl giveaway. Must tag two friends in the comments. Must share to your Instagram story and tag them. The Super Bowl jersey winner will be picked from their IG post, and the other three winners will be chosen from their IG live that will happen at 8 p.m. Eastern time on Super Bowl Sunday. Must be present on the live to be able to win. All right, so that's the details right there, man. Y'all go to Jersey House Canada on Instagram. You follow them. You do these details, and you can win you a jersey for free for the F. You know, why not? You feel me? So, like I said, do you have it, folks? Episode 2 of TLT Sport Talk. I hope you enjoyed, and... um. Yeah, peace. <laughs>